the situations that I've had where I've had my biggest failures. Um, and, you know, there's so many d different examples that I have in my career that I can talk about. But it's because of a failure that you were forced to shine a light on something that happened in your life to make sense of it because you're agonizing over the situation for a period of time. That agonizing uh, element gives you this sense of I, what did I do wrong? How did I do it wrong? How can I learn from this? What am I going to do uh, different next time? And that really teaches us how to grow in our professional states. Failure may be inevitable, but there are scientific values behind it. We've got to learn how to fail faster so we can learn smarter. Join me and let's uncover the hack behind failures. In these episodes, we'll get inside the minds of the successful, discuss the failures they've had in the past, and analyze what made them tick. So we all learn from it. Welcome to Set to Fail podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Indolos. Hey, everybody, this is Joseph. You're listening again to Set to Fail podcast, the show that aims to kind of reverse engineer some of the failure insights we gather through conversations, hopefully uncover, you know, the hack behind many adversity. So people, uh, young entrepreneurs, uh, professionals, can fail forward, uh, learn faster, and then execute smarter. So it's a great pleasure for me to introduce our very special guest, uh, Matthew Friedman. So he's the CEO uh, of Penguin Random House author, um, inspirational keynote speaker, and also modern slavery expert. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today. Great. Um, and like I said earlier, it's an honor for me to have you on this episode because I do believe, you know, we, we have, uh, as humans, we have pressing issues that we tend to, you know, forget or neglect. And I think one of, you know, the topics that you, that you tackle are, are one of it. So, you know, as, as mentioned, I couldn't agree more about, you know, the critical topics, uh, your, you know, your, ad, your advocacy, so before we dive into that, maybe if you can uh, help us with a quick unpacking of you know your uh, yourself, your background, and you know uh, for our audience. So my name is Matt Friedman. I have been a, a person who's been focusing on the issue of addressing human trafficking, also known as modern slavery, for about thirty-five years. I started my career in Nepal, basically addressing the issue of sex trafficking. I then went from there to Bangladesh, and I spent uh, five years there looking at both forced labor and sex trafficking, and then moved to Bangkok, where I continued with USAID. After a period of time, I decided that I wanted to change organizations. So I joined the United Nations and uh, ran one of the largest counter-trafficking programs in the world, having offices in China, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, and Myanmar. After that, uh, came to the conclusion that uh, I wanted to do something with the private sector. So I moved to an organization called the Mekong Club. The Mekong Club works with the private sector in a positive, supportive way to help them to understand the issue of human trafficking, modern slavery, and what it is that they need to do in order to address it. Oh, awesome. That's great. And 
Also, as you mentioned, uh, some of these critical topics, uh, I, I do believe you've encountered a lot of uh, you know, failures and uh, some of the key takeaways. In the context of, uh, let's say, protecting freedom and anti-human trafficking and modern slavery, it's, it's really hard to imagine the harsh realities that you've witnessed. So, by the way, to our audience, Set to Fail podcast, Best Interest, really is not to dwell on, you know, the, the problems, the challenges that happened in the past, but really trying to create somehow a community of, you know, a, a better future, a, a community of shared success, if you will. So uh, also helping individuals that are currently struggling right now. What are, you know, some of the key takeaways or the learnings uh, you can share to our audience you know, as you as you went on your journey in, in tackling uh, and also, you know, uh, doing this advocacy? Well, I think I'd like to just start with talking a little bit about what the context in the situation of human trafficking is. And then, it, then I can segue into that. Uh, according to the United Nations, there are 50 million people in what's called modern slavery. Modern slavery is where a person kind of loses control of their life. They're forced into a situation where they work, they don't get paid, and it's basically modern slavery. You know, we see sex trafficking as an example of that, people who end up on fishing boats or in sweatshops and so forth. In Asia, it's very, very rampant. Uh, there's about 62% of the 40 million people are in modern slavery in Asia. And as a result of that, we have a lot of people who need all kinds of help. Now, the interesting thing about your podcast, which focuses on um, basically failure, is that some of my biggest, most relevant, important have come from the, the situations that I've had where I've had my biggest failures. Um, and, you know, there's so many different examples that I have in my career that I can talk about. But it's because of a failure that you were forced to shine a light on something that happened in your life to make sense of it because you're agonizing over the situation for a period of time. That agonizing uh, element gives you this sense of I, what did I do wrong? How did I do it wrong? How can I learn from this? What am I going to do uh, different next time? And that really teaches us how to grow in our professional states. Absolutely. That, that's profound. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about failure, you know, and, and this is just my opinion about, you know, some of the, the things that you mentioned. Uh, if you accept modern slavery, you fail by default in life, right? So, you know, um, I think this is very critical. A lot of folks uh, don't even know that they're in that situation right now uh, because mm -hmm. it's maybe cultural or, you know, uh, something that's, you know, being passed on generations by generations. So, and, you know, I'm assuming, I'm also guessing there's a lot of uh, stress uh, on your mind, uh, understanding some of these sensitive issues. So, how, you know, from your perspective, how do you stay motivated in the process while still, you know, trying to be a soundboard for a lot of the folks that are currently struggling right now? Well, let me describe how I got into all of this and, and that then I can answer the question. You know, years ago I was in Nepal, I was a public health officer. And we were finding girls 12, 13 years old who were HIV positive. Couldn't understand what was going on. This is a very conservative culture. 
So basically went to go and interview the women and the girls in the shelters. And we heard pretty much the same story over and over again. Um, a trafficker, guy around 20 years old, would go into a community, flash a bunch of money around and say he's looking for a wife. He'd go around, find a 12-year-old girl, befriend her, and then go to the family and say, I'd like to marry your daughter. They're thinking, wow, he's rich, he's handsome, going to take care of our daughter, going to take care of us. A couple of days later, they actually get married. After that, he goes to the family and says, I'm going to take your daughter to Kathmandu, but don't worry, I'll be back in three months. But that isn't what's going to happen. Instead of taking her there, he takes her to Mumbai, India, to the red light districts where the brothels are. He puts her in a room and he says, honey, stay here. I'll be back in a few minutes. Um, as she was walking in, she saw all these women dressed funny. He said, no, 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 don't leave me. I'm scared. He says, it's okay. I'll be right back. He then goes to the madam, gets the $500 for having sold her to the brothel. He basically has, um, you know, the, the gold from the wedding and he hands the wedding pictures over to the madam. He then leaves to go back to Nepal to do this again and again, maybe uh, 20, 30 times in a year. The madam then goes into the room where the girl is and says, guess what? Your husband just sold you to me and you're going to be with 20 guys a day every day because I say so. You can imagine her surprise. No, no, no. My husband uh, loves me. No, that's what happened. When many of these girls hear, they say, I will kill myself before I do those shameful things. The madam then takes out the photograph of the family and says, this is your mom, your dad, your brother. You hurt yourself or hurt them. So she's trapped in this situation. In order to make her into a prostitute, they bring in a couple of professional rapists. And over a two-day time, they'll... 20 times until she eventually just lays back and accepts what happens to her. After that, she's oh with God. 20 guys a day for a couple of years until eventually... She gets what's uh, called black eye, where she's so depleted physically, emotionally, spiritually, nobody wants her, so they throw her out on the street. So we, but I didn't understand the evil of it until I actually went to that brothel. I was invited by the Indian government to do public health checks. I had an awful police officer with me. Went into one of the brothels, and there was an 11-year-old trafficking victim. This girl saw me, saw an opportunity, literally ran up, wrapped her doing terrible things to me. I looked down at this child who was hysterically crying. I turned to the police officer and said, we got to get this girl out of here. He said, we can't do that. Said, what are you talking about? You're a cop. He says, if we try to leave, we'll both be killed. To make a long story short, we left. We came back again with more police, but of course she was gone. Now I tell the story because I wasn't one of these 15 uh, year old high school kids that said, when I grow up, I want to be an activist. In fact, I did everything I could not to be. But every once in a while in life, we are tested. That was my big test. I failed miserably. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I just couldn't eat and sleep. And so I, I know about this. This is what I'm going to do with my life. So to answer your question, that was a long kind of drawn out uh, description. When I think about kind of where I'm getting tired or exhausted or overwhelmed by this, I remember this girl. I remember the fact mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to help her. And I then remember that if I slow down or stop or don't do the things that I need to do, then somebody else similar to her in that situation is going to kind of lose out on an opportunity to be helped. And that's one of the things that kind of motivates me forward. Wow. Um, you know, actually, my second question is what, you know, sorry, the following question is what could you, could you have done differently? But knowing now knowing the gravity of the issue and you know the the things that are happening 
uh, from you, it's, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of speechless, if, if you think about it. If you yes, I think that's, a, that's an interesting point. I mean, I look back and I think about the 10 or 20 things I could have done that day. I'm a pretty big guy. I could have grabbed her and run. Um, I could have stayed there. They could have gone and got more police. There's a whole number of things that could have been done. But it happened. Uh, it happened a long time ago. It's it's done. Uh, it was a failure on my part. But in some ways, this failure has been one of the major motivating factors in my career. You know, it is a watershed moment in my life that resulted in me. I have to do this work. I can't stop doing this work. So, you know, there's all kinds of um, lessons that we learn from failures. Sometimes you learn not to do something. Sometimes you learn how to do something else. In this particular case, a failure was a defining moment in my life that pretty much changed the entire course of my life in a completely different direction. Oh, yeah. That's, that's really profound and gold for a lot of our listeners. Especially, you know, from a, let's say from an entrepreneurial standpoint, we try to chase the shiny things, right? You know, try to create a, the next big Amazon or Microsoft or, or Google. But the reality sometimes is, you know, it's okay to step back and to try to find the purpose based on what real issues you're trying to solve and then just really try to hammer on that. Um, and I think that's, that's one thing that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the younger professionals and, and, and business owners are, we're, we always try to chase after the money, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it, the, the, the self-fulfillment will come from something like an advo advocacy that would help you, uh, you know, make a change, a positive change. So, towards the, the, the environment, not just the environment, but really, you know, the, the future of humanity, if you will. So some, for someone that's starting a business right now, maybe they're still trying to find uh, their niche, if you will, you know, what, what were the steps you, you've done before where, you know, okay, um, I, I will focus on this uh, particular advocacy as opposed to, you know, really just trying to make money out of a business or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are certain things that are core values when it comes to starting a new business. Number one, you have to have a business uh, idea that has the potential to make money. The second thing you have to have is a plan. Thing you need, and it's probably the most important factor, is perseverance. The desire to do this to the extent that even if you fail, you get up again, you fail, you get up again, you fail, you get up again, and then you keep moving forward. The difference between people who are successful, except right from the beginning that there are going to be setbacks, there are going to be issues, there are going to be problems, but that's part of the process. You have to take that into consideration. So I, when I was setting up uh, the Macon Club, I assumed that 50% of the time, and 50% of the times they would go good. So when they went bad, I didn't get surprised. I expected it. I knew it was there, but I knew at the same time that at that moment I had to basically 
identify what I needed to do to get beyond that, to move forward, to make this work for me. So that's an extremely important part of the process is to just kind of believe enough in your dream and be committed enough not to be um, kind of dissuaded when you when you have obstacles that come in front of you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, to our listeners, uh, a lot of these, you know, points are very important because, you know, uh, from myself, from my perspective, I'm also starting my business. But it's really about, you know, trying to anticipate uh, that failure will happen along the way. There will be some processes that you might suck. <laughs> and the daughters, you know, you might, you know, be the best salesperson, but, you know, you suck at accounting and things like that. So, you know, um, I think trying to anticipate that those things will happen and try to find solutions uh, right off the bat would really help you streamline the success. Now, going, to, going back to, you know, um, to you, Matt, you know, we, we were also hoping to discuss a few solutions, if you will, uh, about, you know, tackling um, modern slavery and things like that. Do you think, you know, leveraging uh, maybe technology, uh, for example, like, you know, cybersecurity systems or let's say surveillance, uh, CCTV, things like that can help fight the issues uh, or kind of like mitigate uh, some of some of these, uh, you know, things that are going on in, in these areas. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different approaches that can be used. Uh, let, let me just give a, a practical one, um, an app that we developed in order to help address modern slavery. So the issue that we were facing was factory, you often have migrants who come from other countries. And those individuals are very vulnerable to being exploited in modern slavery. But when an audit company comes in to that factory, they can't communicate with those people because they don't even know where they come from or what their language is. So we developed an app and on the interface of the phone, there were flags from different countries. So the auditor could go up to the worker and get them to press the flag from where they came from with headphones on connected to that phone that person would then hear in their own language wow. an audio tape and the tape would say we are going to ask you some questions if the answer to the question is yes press green no press red and then in their language 10 or 12 questions would be asked are you being exploited do you have any indebtedness do you want to get out of this situation do you need help as a result of this tool, which is a, a simple app, we were able to identify kind of victim identification or increase it by about 30%. Yeah. So it's a fairly simple and straightforward way of using technology to address a particular issue. The issue in this particular translation, a lack of confidentiality. And what I mean by that is usually when you have an interpreter and you're talking to a worker, the manager is standing right there and he or she is hearing everything. With this app, with the headphones, the manager has no idea what that person is listening. No idea what that person is saying. It protects the workers. So here is an example of a, of a particular thing. Oh, that's awesome. And, and people can download it like in, in iOS or 
or Play Store. Maybe we maybe know what's the name of the app. So for well, our the listeners. Auditors themselves. Uh, and because of the confidentiality of it, it's, it's somewhat restricted. But there's another app that we developed, uh, which is on our website. Uh, you, can, you can see what the link is. And it's basically an app that allows a person to track the things that they can do in their own personal life to help address human trafficking. And so basically what happens is a person downloads the app. It's, it's a, it's a web-based type of application, but it looks like an app on your phone. And what it does is tracks and gives you every time you, you basically um, do something like raise awareness or volunteer or make a donation or, you know, report something that you see related to human trafficking. So it kind of almost gamifies the fact that a person is doing something, but they're getting something in return. You know, when you play a computer game, you get gold coins, you get points or whatever. They don't have any tangible value in the real world. But to the person who's playing it, it's, it's value because you can use it within the game. What happens with people who do acts of kindness? is they usually don't get recognition. And so the idea is to use this app to say, as a result of the 10 things that you did, you got 30 care points. And as a result of that, you know, you've actually got something for your contribution. And it's to kind of encourage people to, to get involved in doing things. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So, you know, to our listeners, uh, we will get the links to uh, from Matt, and then we'll put that in the description so you guys can also check it out. Um, and also, Matt, uh, you know, I'm assuming you've experienced a lot of, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, like different case studies. So were there a few, few ones that were very challenging um, and, you know, you were able to, to, with good reason, flip things around and uh, make it a successful story so our listeners can also benefit from that? Well, I mean, okay, so I am. Trafficking human uh, being who works to stop human trafficking. But there was a situation where the decisions I was making actually increased human trafficking. And let me explain what I mean. So uh, as a donor, we were funding organizations that do raids and raids. And so uh, there's a certain amount of money that's needed to get the vehicles and rent things and so forth. So before they do the raid, they would come to me and say, okay, we're going to raid this particular brothel. There's 10, 14-year-old girls in there, and we're working with the police, and we're going to get them out, and we're going to put them in shelters and so forth. So they call me. I listen to what they say, and I said, go ahead, do the raid. And so they do the raid. They pull the 14-year-old girls out. They put the girls into the shelter, and we you know, take this as a success. Mm-hmm. But six months later, I'm approached by the same group, and they say, we want to do another raid. And I say to them, well, what's the address? It's the same place that we just raided. And I said, well, you know, what did you do? Why didn't you close this down? And they said, well, you know, we tried. This person has uh, bribery and and corruption and everything else. We can't shut it down. So there's another 10, 14-year-old girls who are there. Okay, so we said, okay, let's do the raid. But you really need to try to shut this place down. And so the raid took place. They got the girls. They put them into a shelter. Once again, six months later, they contacted me. 
Where is it? Same location. So I had to make a decision. My decision was we can't do any more raids. Us pulling girls out, we're creating a void so that new girls end up coming in there. So we're increasing the number of victims that are out there. So those kind of decisions are super hard because, you know, on the one hand, the girls that are in there want somebody to help them. But until and unless you can stop that business from it, you're just adding and adding and adding more people to these shelters. And it's just an irresponsible way. So to a certain extent, the failure is that we didn't, we allowed for a certain number of people to experience that before we made this decision. But once the decision was made, we had to restructure the approach to say, unless we can ensure that the place that we're raiding is going to be closed down, the person is going to be arrested. And so that changes the model completely. Those types of tough ethical uh, kind of considerations happen in a, in a um, kind of counter-trafficking situation. But sometimes you're contributing to them making them worse. Yes, yes. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's hard to imagine that, you know, some, in, some, in some places or some cases, governments will tend to get bribed and stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a world, it's a large world out there and, you know, there will be certain dynamics uh, from different places. So, um, well, I, you know, I, I wish you uh, great uh, success and, and, you know, God bless you and, and luck. You're a blessing to the world on, on this. So, and I'll, I'll continue praying for you. So this is really super valuable, uh, Matt. Uh, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's a very special episode because it's something that we will, uh, a, lot of, a lot of our listeners um, will, will be aware that you know, things like this are happening. A lot of people are traveling, you know, they're trying to do, I've heard horror stories about you know, uh, travelers, they're two girls and you know, eventually they were kidnapped and things like that. So, so these types of, um, you know, topics, uh, if we can put this in the podcast, you know, a lot of folks can, can um, we, we can magnify the, the number of people that uh, will, will listen to this. So um, to our listeners, uh, for the benefit of the audiences, where can they also reach, to, reach out to you for consult, consultation and also uh, maybe the, your website and your socials? So I'll, I'll leave you to uh, give that to, to the audiences. Yeah, basically, uh, my website is themakeonclub.org. Uh, there's an information email directly there to come to me. But Joseph, I just want to say one more thing about uh, kind of the, the success in starting up a new business. Uh, you have to have mentors. You have to have people who are further along in the process, and you have to reach out to them. And if you have a business, I always set up an advisory group, which basically includes you know, people who I respect and admire who have already been in, in there. And those people uh, have been super helpful to move my business forward. We can't do businesses by ourselves. We have to have other people. So surround yourself with people who care about your dream, who are willing to help. And that helps to avoid a lot of the failures as part of the process. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and that's very important. And to our listeners, 
you know, you can always reach out to myself uh, or, to, or to Matt uh, directly. And then, you know, I hope you guys found this uh, episode uh, super valuable. Um, if you have any comments, suggestions, just feel free to reach out uh, or drop a comment to this will be on YouTube um, and also the episode will be on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So uh, again, Matt, you know, thank you so much for, you know, really bringing up these, um, uh, these topics. Uh, I, I really appreciate your time also regards to Sylvia. Thank you for, uh, you know, taking the time to speak today. I appreciate your, uh, your presence here. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, you're listening to Set to Fail podcast. This is Joseph Dolos. Have a great day. And there you have it. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot in this episode. And if you did, please subscribe to YouTube, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment, also reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcast. This would really help the show to continue creating more and more insightful content for us to learn together. Thank you very much. Have a great day.